Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right. Well, there's a few things I want to go over here, and there's been some misinformation, too, on a, on a particular story, which I'm going to break down regarding this Arizona school board meeting where parents showed up and um, allegedly voted in new members just with parents and citizens who were standing there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to break that down specifically because I have yet to hear anybody accurately describe what happened. And again, that's not the way board meetings work. Um, but I'm going to get into that here right at the right at the top. But I'm also going to play a clip from um, Gravelmouth's voice on uh, his f- fake State of the Union thing that he had on TV the other night. I'm talking about Joe Biden, of course. And um, his his alleged plans to extend public school from the ages of three through the age of eighteen, including two years of what he calls free community college. So I'm going to break that down too. I've also got a quick little audio clip of a teacher who speaks at a board meeting and basically just says, "I'm not going to teach here anymore if you're going to keep degrading our children, degrading these students." Um, teaching them falsehoods, teaching them immorality. And that's an individual that has an awful lot of courage and an awful lot of character and and clearly moral values. So I'm going to play that clip a little bit later too. But first of all, let me get into this Arizona school board meeting deal here. Uh, And again, I have yet to hear anybody accurately describe this because they're making it sound like it was a coup. And then they just got rid of the school board members because they decided to have a vote uh, to have new school board members out in the hallway. I, I, I admire these parents for showing up and doing this and, and getting angry at their school board regarding the mask wearing. I'm an advocate for that. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that that's the case. I've been, I've been talking about it and writing about it for a very long time now, well over a year. Um, the fact is, is that you can't just do that with with board members. So here here's basically the full story. There's an Arizona school board meeting, uh, Vail School District. And essentially, he, here's what happened. The, the parents showed up and they started yelling because they wanted to talk with the school board members or yell at the school board members about making them uh, release their mask mandate for students and staff, or at the very least make it optional. But we know by now that the people that are forcing the masks are tyrants. They're also illiterate, and they have no idea that the masks hurt people and they don't harm. It is a slavery device, and it's a device for compliance. That's what it is. That's what it's always been. And again, look around and see how many people drank that Kool-Aid. It was a lot of people. It wasn't everybody, but it was a lot of people. The way that it works is is the only way to get rid of a school board member is that school board member has to break their contractual obligation in some way, which again, technically speaking, they all have with these mask mandates because they're all playing doctor and they're all taking pseudo advice from pseudo health departments, which again, typically aren't filled with doctors, I might add. So with all of that aside, the way that you get rid of them is they either break their contractual obligations, they resign, or they've broken the law, and they end up getting arrested as a result. Then that school board member can be replaced. 
and there's usually some special vote that takes place. Um, and in, in many cases, it's the actual school board members that are still remaining. They're the ones that typically get to choose who the person is, albeit a temporary position. And then the next time that there's an election, they simply you know, put somebody up to, to run for that particular position. And then the taxpayers and citizens in the area vote for that individual, whoever that person may be. Um, that's not what happened here. The only thing that happened here was parents showed up, they yelled, they, they did what, what, what they should have done as, as concerned citizens. They did everything that they could. And, and the school board members just stopped the meeting and went home. That's it. That act is not a new act. That's not something that's new. That's not something that is unique in this, in this particular regard. Um, parents showing up at school board members and yelling about their concerns and not giving an inch is a good thing. And school board members just walking away out of the school board meeting or just ending the school board meeting as a result of that reaction from parents or teachers or students or whoever's concerned citizens, them just walking out and leaving, that's not a new thing. It happens in countless school districts all of the time, even before 2020. So again, it's it's not a new thing. Now, there's a neat little hidden thing that did take place as a result, although it's not even hidden, it's on film, and anybody can go and watch the film. But what they did was is the, the parents and the community members in that in that building, in the entranceway of the of the administrative building, they basically said, Okay, these school board members walked out of the meeting. We're gonna vote in new ones. Now, they're not really voting in new ones. That's not really what they're doing. But what they did do with their, again, righteous indignation, and rightfully so, again, is they ended up basically selecting individuals who are willing to be on the school board, and people participated. And then they said, do, do we have an I? And they went, I. Do we have a nay? And then there were a couple of couple of no's in the background, which was kind of funny. You just hear this, no. And then that was it. And they agreed, and then they had their picture taken and whatever else. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but they're not going to be school board members until there's an election. Or unless those school board members that are currently holding those positions resign. That's the only way that that happens. That's the only way that that change occurs. Again, the thing that I think was cool about it is they inadvertently selected as a group of people who who is going to replace these school board members because now given the amount of parental involvement that's taking place with these mask abuses you've got a lot of parents that are really upset you got a lot of teachers that are really upset and i can't think of an easier uh an easier thing to run on as as a alleged or supposed or future elected official they're running against mask wearing. You simply say, this is the board member that implemented mask wearing all of the time on everybody, and I never will. You'll win. Nine times out of ten, you'll win. That person will win. Now, this Vail School District uh, in Arizona has, has clearly selected fantastic page, patriots, supposedly, who are not going to mandate the mask wearing. And want the mask wearing to be lifted, which again is a very common sense thing to run on 
when you're running against people that have been mandating these draconian uh, totalitarian practices from the very start. So again, I applaud the parents, but I'm just tired of countless people sort of jumping on this and saying, well, they just voted them out. They just ran them out of there. and Now they have new school board members. It's no, no, that's not what happened. That's, that's not the way that it works. I wish it worked like that. I wish it was mutiny on the bounty, but it's not. It's just not the way that it works. Um, but again, what they did inadvertently and in their, in their rage and, and whatever else you want to call it, they ended up basically selecting people that they want to run in the next school board election. And again, those people will win. And hopefully that school board and those new uh, potential members will learn the word no. They'll just learn the word no, and they'll start to uh, engage in freedom and independence and maybe get rid of the critical race nonsense, and they'll get back to reading, writing, and arithmetic and all the things that should have been there in the first place. So that's the real story behind that, as far as I can tell. It's, uh, yeah, they didn't run them out of there and, and, and basically kick them out of their elected positions because you can't do that. Now, on to Marble Mouth here. Here's a quick little clip, about three minutes long. Listen to the communism in everything that he says. Listen to the absolute communism in everything he says. And there's a few points at the end I'm going to make and kind of summarize what he says. But God, is he hard to listen to. All right, here we go. I can tell you, I spent a lot of time with President Xi. Traveled over 17,000 miles with him. Spent, they tell me, over 24 hours in private discussions with him. When he called to congratulate him, we had a two-hour discussion. He's deadly earnest about becoming the most significant consequential nation in the world. He and others, autocrats, think that democracy can't compete in the 21st century with autocracies. It takes too long to get consensus. To win that competition for the future, in my view, we also need to make a once-in-a-generation investment in our families and our children. That's why I've introduced the American Families Plan tonight, which addresses four of the biggest challenges facing American families and in turn America. First is access to good education. When this nation made 12 years of public education universal, in the last century. It made us the best educated, best prepared nation in the world. It's, I believe, the overwhelming reason that propelled us to where we got in the 21st, in the 20th century. But the world's caught up or catching up. They're not waiting. I would say parenthetically, if we were sitting down, we set a bipartisan committee together and said, okay, we're going to decide what we do in terms of government providing for free education. I wonder whether we'd think, as we did in the 20th century, that 12 years is enough in the 21st century. I doubt it. 12 years is no longer enough today to compete with the rest of the world in the 21st century. That's why my American Families Plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America starting as early as we can. 
The great universities in this country have conducted studies of the last 10 years. It shows that adding two years of universal high-quality preschool for every three-year-old and four-year-old, no matter what background they come from, puts them in the position to be able to compete all the way through 12 years and increases exponentially their prospect of graduating and going on beyond graduation. The research shows when a young child goes to school, not daycare, they're far more likely to graduate from high school and go to college or something after high school. When you add two years of free community college on top of that, you begin to change the dynamic. We can do that. All right, then. Well, let's see. Where to begin with Mushmouth here? Uh, first of all, fun little fact about Joe Biden, if you were unaware. I typically stay away from this on this podcast, although I'm going to mention more and more things as we go along here regarding the sort of factual history of particular events. One of them, of course, has to do with him and his first wife and daughter were killed in a car accident, very suspiciously, I might add. And Joe Biden ended up marrying their teenage babysitter who would babysit his first wife's children, who, of course, is now Jill Biden, his current wife. So if you didn't know that, yeah. He uh, started dating a teenage, his teenage babysitter. Uh, so there's that. Okay. Now, Joe Biden mentioning this in this communistic meeting that he had in Congress where there were only invited guests only, everybody's masked, everybody's distanced to the bone. It's pretty ridiculous. But this business of extending... The one's time in school, first of all, is not unique and it's not new. This is one of the oldest communistic plays in the communistic manifesto and the communistic book that exists. This stretches way back to the Frankfurt School, if not before that. It also stretches back before the presidential election of 2020 when Kamala Harris openly came out and said that she wants the school day, every school day, to be approximately two to three to four hours longer on a day-in, day-out basis, which is absurd. I can't think of any teacher that would support such a thing. Now, he's decided to take a different approach, and they've probably all met, met and discussed it, um, and what a conversation! What an, what an intelligent conversation! I'm sure that was. But as he's saying this, Kamala Harris is sitting behind him, nodding profusely, just kind of, oh yes, 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 of course. So she has her dirty fingers in this as well. And again, the business of extending one's time under the government thumb of education is not new. They have to get children while they're young. They have to indoctrinate them as soon as humanly possible. And 
as it becomes a little bit harder per se when a student gets a little bit older, in particular in the teenage and more rebellious years, they'd rather get them when they're three, four, five years old. That's really when they'd rather groom them and train them to be good little communists and good little worker bees as much as they possibly can. However, even though that's awful and a complete communistic nightmare, what they don't tell you is that that is all all of that is also rooted in not just the Frankfurt School, but their apprentices and the people that were influenced by it who made their way over here to the United States, such as John Dewey. And I've spoken about him before in, in the podcast, but he wanted children to not learn how to read until the ages of 8 or 10. The simple reason for that is that if a child doesn't read, all the way up until that age, then you have more of a chance to influence them through horrific experiences by just showing them things and telling them things. Because again, it's through reading where an individual actually can start connecting the dots between a factual telling of history and a false telling of history a factual telling of real events that have taken place and a false telling of events that have taken place. Because the last thing that a communist would want is to have a student or a minor believe that they're being controlled. You can't have a student or a minor thinking for themselves. That's a huge no-no in the old communistic playbook. You can't have that. That can't happen. So it's government that has to do the thinking for the child. It's government that has to do the raising of the child instead of the parent. And again, there are plenty of parents that are 100% fine with having government raise their children. We know this. This, this is just this is commonplace. It's unfortunate, but it's commonplace. So there were a few points specifically that he brought up. Again, the preschool starting at age three. It's solely for brainwashing and indoctrination. He claimed that such things, such as having preschool, in particular at younger ages like the ages of three three and four, lead to higher graduation rates, in particular at the high school and college level. That is 100% untrue. That is not factual at all. There is no evidence, none, zero. It's completely made up that if a child goes to preschool, that they are more likely to graduate from high school or college. That's not true. No research to back that up whatsoever. It's a common communistic talking point that if they just say it over and over and they just point at a blank wall and say, well, the research says, the research says that this. No, the answer is no. There is none. It's fake. And if there is some, it's flawed purposefully so that he can stand up there where he stands and say what he says and believe it. So there's that. And that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting little lie that he, that he just casually tossed in there. Free two years of community college, he said. Who's going to pay for that? You, me, everybody? You can't have free community college. It doesn't work that way. There are no free lunches in K-12 schools. There's no such thing. Everybody pays for it. Everybody pays for it. 
So he's a lunatic. It's not going to happen. You'll, you'll continue to see teachers leave the profession. You'll continue to see teacher education programs crumble. Because again, as I've stated in the past, those are the departments that crumble first at the college and university level. And then they won't have any recruits because no one will want to be a school teacher. Because who wants to teach for four more hours a day every single day? And why on earth would you want a child in a government education institution from the age of three all the way through potentially college? That child will have no, that human being, I should say, will have no chance of learning how to think as an individual, ever. It won't happen. So with that in mind, here's a teacher who tends to agree with me, and I'm going to play his quick little video clip. Give this a listen. And he's speaking at a board meeting. And again, as a school teacher doing this, he's probably lost his job, but uh, he certainly has a lot of courage for telling the truth, and I commend him for that. And some individuals prefer they as a pronoun. Like meat or butt, they are my best friend. We got kids that can't read and write, and then we're going to teach them incorrect grammar. I mean, it's ridiculous, okay? Who, who gave permission to talk about this? Okay, there's two genders. If you're born with a penis and you have testicles, that's just anatomy. You're a male. If you have a vagina and ovaries, you're a female. A man cannot menstruate. A man cannot lactate and breastfeed a child. You cannot give birth if you're a man. If you want to be an adult and do whatever you want with your life, I'm okay with that. Don't push this ideology on children. I'm not going to work in a district that's okay with that. You need to make a clear statement on how many genders are there because parents, are, they're, they're already pulling their kids out of public school. They're doing homeschool options. They're going online. It's going to increase as this liberal ideology comes into our schools. This isn't a political indoctrination camp. Okay, it's public education. We want to teach education. And then the clip just cuts off right there. So he's right. He's 100% right. Everything he said, right. I, I, there's nothing else I can add to that. He's 100% right. The individuals that are pushing this are destroying their own jobs, their own livelihood. They're destroying it themselves, and they don't even know it. The fact that they don't even know that that's what they're doing, I think, is one of the biggest and most telling aspects of this entire charade. They don't know that they're crushing their own position because they actually believe, because the, many of them are brainwashed, they actually believe that they're in the majority when they aren't. They are in the vast minority. And I've said it before, the fastest way to close down a school would be for a group of parents to simply not send their children to that school. If you had 50% attendance, everybody would notice that in a blink of an eye. And then everybody would panic. Well, why do we, why we have 50% attendance? And then those students never come back. And those parents never send their children back to that school system. The, the, the number of firings that would have to take place within that school district would be astounding because every single building in a public school is allocated a certain amount of teachers solely based on the number of students that are in that building. If the, if the students are gone, then the teachers are gone. If the teachers are gone, why do you need so many administrators? Then the administrators are gone. And then that goes all the way up to the district level. Well, why do we have so many district officials here? Then they start firing district officials. It's a simple game of attendance. If you don't attend, the game can't be played anymore. 
So either change the game back to a more morally sound game that's logic, that's reasonable, that doesn't have the propaganda and the lies in it, and then move forward from there, or else you're going to watch the entire thing crumble like Sodom and Gomorrah, because it will. It's already happening. Now here's the last thing that I wanted to mention. What I'm going to do here every uh, periodically is I'm going to be jumping in with sort of a, a quick little special episode where I read from this book that I've been reading, which is an absolute game changer. Um, and it's not a new book, which is the best part, because I love old books that tell the truth and you can read them and then instantly think about what's going on in the current time. And then you start to recognize, oh, wow, this person had it figured out back then. And look what's happening now. This particular book is titled The Rape of the Mind by Dr. Juiced Merlu, who's a medical doctor, or Norwegian medical doctor. And the copyright of the book, I believe, is 1958, if I'm not mistaken. 1956. There we go. It's even older than that. 1956. Every single line in this book is important. And I don't know about everybody else out there, but I love to read. I love nonfiction. I love old nonfiction, real historic, historically accurate nonfiction. And you have to find these books from time to time, but they do exist. And there's a YouTube channel out there, which I highly recommend, and it's called Academy of Ideas. And I watch Academy of Ideas all the time. And you'll get a lot of great authors and philosophers uh, and, and their quotes that pop up. On, on the videos that are produced there through Academy of Ideas. But this was one of them in one of the more recent Academy of Ideas videos. And so I bought the book, and I got to tell you, this is one of those books where as you're reading it, within the first few paragraphs, you instantly make the decision that you're going to keep this book for the rest of your life. It's, it's that good. It's that accurate. It describes specifically, as the back of the book says with the uh, subtitle, the Psychology of Thought Control, Menticide, and Brainwashing. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to read Chapter 2 out of this book. I'm going to break it up into a number of different parts because every single chapter in this book has a number of subchapters, uh, sub which makes it, again, very easy to digest and easy to read. Fantastic stories, accurate studies, um, and, and countless current examples of what's actually happening today. And again, this was, this was copyrighted back in 1956. So I highly recommend that everybody read this book. Buy this book and read it. Please make it a part of your library. It's absolutely critical that you do so. Um, and then again, I'm going to jump in and just read the second chapter. I'm just going to read the second chapter specifically because it really ties into the business of getting the young mind bent so that when they become older, their mind is still bent. It doesn't mean that they can't unbend it, straighten it out, and start to recognize the truth because many of us have, have experienced that very awakening that we've been misled and lied to over the, over the course of, and brainwashed, frankly, over the course of many decades. But um, I'm going to be reading again that second chapter, so you'll see the title on the podcast. The title will say The Rape of the Mind, and then it'll just say Part 1. And then the next sub subchapter that I read in the second chapter will say Part 2, Part 3, Part 4. You can also find this book, I believe, on PDF online for free. 
and, and read it on your computer if you want. There may even be audio versions of it on YouTube. So if you want somebody to read it to you that way, you can you can do it that way. Me personally, I like to have it in my hands so that I can uh, hold on to it and, and digest it over the course of time. But this book is too good. So make sure you check that out and keep your eyes peeled for uh, for that upcoming episode. And I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.